Hey guys, welcome to Just Add Chat, where we're going to talk about how to be heard today. Did you even listen to a word I said? Do you find yourself answering yes to that question a lot? You need to stay tuned. Welcome back to Just Add Chat, where we're on a mission to see if you're being heard. So today's lesson, obviously, are you being heard? A lot of times it feels like our voice falls on deaf ears, especially men's voice. Sorry guys if you're listening. But this isn't an episode about men bashing, male bashing. And I want to use my husband as a perfect example. Sometimes we need to really evaluate what we're saying. So the lesson I want you guys to learn is lesson one. Um, make sure that your words are actually giving people value. There is nothing worse than somebody going around and talking to you about their sock collection. Let's be honest. It's boring. Yeah, you heard me. It might be really cool for you. And it might be cool for your audience who's also into super awesome sock collecting motives but to some people the average person they don't find value and interest in it like you do <coughs> so here we go ladies and gents who are fabulous talking about being heard so I'll give you a general example of talking with my husband my husband is an amazing guy you guys don't know him like I do um, but my husband I mean is like one of those guys that's telling like the dad jokes he's all the time telling me that he loves me not in a mushy weird way he's like you know I told you today that I love you kind of thing so you know he's a really great guy so I'm in no way like belittling him making him seem like he has no value to me because obviously I've been married to him for ten and a half years he brings me great value so with that being said um, there are times I'm talking to my husband my husband will be like honey I can't find my jacket for example can't find my jacket. Have you seen it? Well, since I don't wear your jacket usually, um, <laughs> it's probably in the last place that you had it. Now, there are times I will give him that I'm really lazy and I don't want to have to go and wake him up in our bedroom to go get a jacket to go to the mailbox. His is usually hanging up at the back door. It's usually easy peasy leave and squeezy to grab it, to run to the mailbox, to grab it back, and I usually put it back there. But every once in a while, I get distracted with a child or a phone call, and it gets hung up on the kitchen chair. So obviously, he wants to know where it is because he knows it's a possibility that I borrowed it. But if I tell him, you know, I think it is hanging up, like I haven't worn it today, um, he'll go and he'll check it and be like, oh, there it is. It really is there. Like, okay, thanks. But then there's other times that he'll be like, well, it's not there. And I tell him, I'm like, oh, I must have hung it up over the kitchen chair. I was in a hurry today. And so he'll go, well, it's not there. And it's really interesting to me because I will walk into the kitchen and say, oh, here it is, hanging over the kitchen chair. And he's like, I, it's not, it's not in here. I was like, I literally just picked it up off the kitchen chair to give it to you, honey. And he was like, but it wasn't there, I promise you. And I was like, it really was. Like, I literally walked over to the chair, picked it up, and handed it to you. Well, you didn't tell me that. Wait a second here. 
So you're telling me that I didn't tell you that it was hanging on the kitchen chair. Think about that for a second, folks. So was it the fact that my husband did not hear what I said? In fact, I think that he did, but he was not sure that my words brought value to him. Now, it took about maybe 10, 20 times. They say it takes about 21 times to develop a good habit. Um, so by the time that my husband just finally got to the, used to the idea of like, oh, if it's not one place, it's in the other. So it did eventually sink in and it did eventually bring him value. Now I'm going to go into a little bit deeper, like talking about my kids, for example. My kids, a lot of times, will be sucked into their Minecraft world, to their YouTube, to Netflix, to their latest trendy TV show on the boob tube. And, you know, I'm trying to tell them, hey guys, did you feed the cat? And, they'll, you know, they might say, yeah, I didn't, or yeah, whatever, or I might not get a response at all. So then I immediately have to jump into my mom voice of feed the cats now or consequences. And you're talking about scrambling like running all over the place. Like they're like, yes ma'am. I mean I can see the adrenaline running that they know mom means business to get it taken care of and get it taken care of now. I don't like to go that route a lot of times because it's really not necessary, especially when it was a simple yes or no or just go ahead and do it. So, my kids will be like, you know, I'll ask them, and every once in a while, I won't follow up with it. I'll just go ahead and watch their actions. They don't move, they don't touch, they don't do anything. In fact, they stay exactly where their comfy little bums are, which is on the couch or on the computer chair. And the reality of it is, their cats are in there crying their head off, and it's like they can't hear the cats crying at all. So, I go through... And I sneakily feed the cats because obviously I don't want the cats to go hungry. I'm not against feeding the cats. It's about teaching my boys responsibilities because the two cats that we have, Curious and Mittens, are Jaden and Liam's. Curious belongs to Jaden and Mittens is Liam's cat. So I want to teach my kids that, hey, you know, someday you might be adults. You have animals and you don't choose your devices over your animals. It's not just a status symbol. They're real living beings that you have to actually take care of. So, um, I'll ask my kids, like, you know, later in the day, in the afternoon, did you feed the cats this morning? And they'll just kind of look at me and they look at each other. Well, Liam fed the cats this morning. And Liam will go, no, I didn't. You must have fed the cats this morning, Jaden. And Jaden's like, well, I didn't. So they're both looking at each other and they both look at me and they're both panicked. Well, Mom... You didn't tell us to feed the cats. So it's pretty obvious that my kids were not paying attention to a word that I said this morning. And I was like, oh yes I did. I told you both. You both decided to play Minecraft or your other video games or watch YouTube. Um, neither one of you decided to take responsibilities. So in the afternoon their cats get fed but they get home from school and their cats are usually meowing and crying and rubbing up against them, you know, they missed them all day, and they're hungry, and all those things, and so, uh, the boys are like, you know, petting and loving on them, and ready to do that part, but neither one of them is ready to, you know, take care of feeding the cats, and my oldest son's job, he's almost 10, he'll be 10 in a couple of weeks, actually just in a few days, 
and his job is to clean out the litter box. When he's not available, my husband and I take Kate out. My six-year-old is kind of getting old enough, but we want to wait a little bit longer with him. Um, I didn't make my oldest son clean out the cat's litter box when he was six or seven. I kind of started when he was about third grade and eight years old. And, you know, he only did an okay job, you know, taking off the top, wasn't really getting down in there and everything. It was more of a teaching process, you know what I mean? Now, he's t almost 10 years old and he can do it really well now. And so, we kind of wanted to do the same thing with my youngest son. So, it's kind of mine and my husband and my oldest son's responsibility right now. So, they were immediately going to their devices and I had to finally yell at them again, stop. Have you taken care of your cats? Well, again, they're scrambling and they're panicked. So now let's talk about this in a business perspective. Are you a manager or are you in charge of a project at your particular company or business um, or workplace where you feel the same way? You're talking to your underlings, your employees, your coworkers who are really just not paying attention to you. It is literally like going in one ear and out the other. If you feel like that, so we're gonna start with step one. Step one, again, with getting them to listen to you is to make eye contact. When you have established eye contact with your coworkers, they are almost forced into a position of paying attention to you. The second thing that you need to do on this task is you need to ask them, hey, do you have a minute? Are you listening? This is a big deal. Asserting the fact that it's a big deal um, will cause it for more attention. So we have a project that's coming up. We're going to use this as an example um, of why it's important to tell them to pay attention to the details. So our project is due, we'll say, in 10 business days, uh, which sounds like a long time, but when you have a team of 10 people who's got 10 different things going on, that is like not hardly any time at all. Um, you have to get together for a meeting, you have to get together with all the details and all the fine print of your project. So now it leads us into step three. Once that you have established the importance of listening, you need to say what you need to say in less than five minutes. Sometimes I get it, you have to say something longer, like you're in a meeting. Meetings sometimes can last 10 minutes, 30 minutes, even hours. Um, once you have that five minute window, go ahead and go through the outline immediately of your meeting. Let's say you're in a four hour meeting. Go over every single critical point in that five minutes right then and there. Use the rest of your meeting to go over the, each one of those in detail. Why? Because it's a good chance that no one is listening and the project is going to flop. Nothing is worse than being in charge of a project and looking like you cannot lead your team. It's awful. So I'm going to use a real-world example of proving this, okay? This actually happened to me yesterday. I went to Little Caesars to get a pizza. Actually, I bought several pizzas. Um, I tried to buy enough to last us a few nights. My husband is a pizza-aholic, and if I don't watch him, he will eat an entire pizza by himself at, you know, at night because he stays up all night. And so I try to kind of, not necessarily to control him, guys, in case you're wondering, 
kind of portion them out to where she's like eating other things that are available in the house. Like, oh, instead of pizza, maybe you might try some leftovers. I have a leftover roast in the freezer or in the fridge with like potatoes and carrots. And I would like that to be, you know, consumed, obviously. And, you know, some other options that are readily available to kind of, you know, stretch the pizza out because he's going to be off for the next three days. If he had his way, he would eat three pizzas a day all weekend long, or actually even seven days a week, which is <laughs> ridiculously expensive when you talk about that being just him. It's not feeding the family or anything. My kids have to have a special pizza night because they don't like tomato sauce. I know, I know. Kids who like pizza who don't like tomato sauce. It's bizarre. But my sons don't like Alfredo sauce. They don't like pesto sauce. They don't like white sauce. They don't like anything saucy at all. They don't even like the cheese sauce. They want just basically the equivalent of what's cheese stick. The pizza dough, the bread itself, and the cheese. They just want mozzarella cheese. And they don't mind like the cheese blend. But it's just got to be cheese and bread. So my husband's not satisfied with that. He's like one of those bring on the meats. It's got to have heavy meats. It's got to be deep dish. My kids don't like deep dish. So it always ends up being at least two pizzas. Well, I'm trying to kind of sort of watch my calories, and I prefer a thin crust because I still get the satisfaction of a pizza, uh, but I don't have to eat as many calories, and I can stretch my pizza out longer for more meals. So, I ordered three pizzas. My kids obviously always want breadsticks. My husband will eat all eight of Little Caesars breadsticks in one sitting by himself, so I always buy him one. And I always buy me and the kids another because me and my kids will take our time eating and we might eat one, maybe no more than two. And those eight breadsticks will stretch out, you know. And so, um, I go to Little Caesars. I had ordered it almost 30 minutes before, 25 minutes when I went to go pick it up. And it should have been ready. I actually even got the notification that said, hey, your pizza could be ready, but we haven't, you know gotten an official notification from the store so I go in to check it it's not in the pizza portal because I'd ordered it on my app I was like okay so there's a problem with my order so I go up to the counter and they have everything except my thin crust and so I hear the manager in the back like I'm not gonna hear it because it's such a small store anyways and she says where is my thin crust I fixed that thin crust myself 20 minutes ago so there's like four teenagers in the kitchen and obviously I can see them. I realize that there's like a counter, but there's a doorway between. So it's like it's not really hard to not see them. And there's all four of her teenagers on her shift working who have no idea what she's talking about at all. They're like, uh, we don't know what you're talking about. So she starts slamming the counter on what, who did what with her pizza that she was going to find out. Those, everybody was listening, but nobody had a single idea what was going on. One, nobody was going to own up to it, especially with her acting like that, yelling and screaming and banging on the counter with her hand. And two, she knew that she fixed the pizza, but the reality of it is she was putting the blame on the kids. Obviously, her employees may have done something. They probably put it in the wrong box and it got put out and the hot and fresh, the $5 ones, and it got shipped out to somebody else who was like, oh wow, I got a thin crust for $5 instead of $6. Um, 
also, or they may have been disappointed because it was a thin crust and they wanted an actual, you know, regular pizza. But anyways, uh, so she was like super upset. So she, one of her, the students came out and flat out lied to my face like I hadn't heard anything and said, your pizza hasn't come out of the oven yet. So we're waiting for it to finish cooking. So I had to literally wait for the full 12 minutes for them to remake my pizza, <laughs> to rebake it. And I mean, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. I didn't have anything really to do for the evening, um, except to get home to my kids who were hungry. That was a big deal, but they weren't like, you know, famished and dying and starving to death. They had had a snack. So, um, it was just interesting to me that this manager had fixed this pizza had gone through and done the work herself to make sure it was done right because she did not trust her employees and there was not enough information for her employees to know the urgency of this pizza not going in the wrong box. Um, so if she had taken those steps, let's talk about step one, making the eye contact with her employees. Two, then she could have explained the urgency of this cannot go in a regular box. It has to go in an extra moist and be set to the side because it is a special order. And three, telling everything in less than five minutes, then it probably would have been a totally different story. I can't tell you how many times that I have gone in there and my order has been fine. It's been normal. It's been right. And we all are human and we all make mistakes and I get that. But I wanted to use that as an example of, you know, real communication. The only time that her staff was listening, again, is when she was banging on the counter, angry. And honestly, who wants to remember their boss as somebody like that? I had an employee one time, actually it was an employee, he was a customer, I have to take that back, he was a customer that had come into my business. And I was talking to him about um, some of the customer service skills. And he was talking about, yeah, he has problems with his employees all the time. And he said he had a remedy for it. So he said what he does is he always tries to talk to his employees and his underlings like they were adults, because they are adults, when they made childish, bad behavioral decisions. Um, he still treated them like adults and presented it in a way of, hey, so we got this issue and um, I was wondering if you could help me out. Um, we'll say, for example, that he had an issue with the copier. Somebody's decided, obviously, to like plant their face in their hands and do something stupid and it's pretty obvious who it was. So we have an issue. There's somebody, and it's hard to tell with these photo photocopies, that, you know, is abusing the copy machine and it's usage and it's wasting paper, it's wasting ink, and it's wasting precious hours that we really need to get this project done. Um, when we find this person, do you have a, a solution to how we should handle this? And so the person, of course, automatically gets nervous and stuff, but he continues to play, you know, like he's not really sure who it is. And so they're like, you know, I'm not really sure. And he was like, well, he was like, you know, get back to me in about five, ten minutes. I'll come back to you if you haven't come back to me. And let's see if we can figure this out. And I want our whole team to work on it. So he goes and he involves two or three other adults who obviously know what's going on. But again, they don't want to sell out their coworker. And so um, 
once everybody's on board, everybody comes up with an idea of maybe they should make like a sign for the photocopy machine or maybe that once the person has been found that maybe they should be talked and the team comes up with as a whole on what kind of disciplinary action should be done. And so the gentleman said nine out of ten times he doesn't have to take any further action because it immediately stops because not only has the person been called out in a respectful manner, not by names, not by pointing fingers or anything, but, you know, the whole team is now involved in this issue and realizes, hey, this is a big deal. Like, if we're short on ink and we're short on paper, we have to buy more, which now means that the that pay raise that I'm really looking forward to at the beginning of the year is probably not going to happen because it's gone, all that extra income and profit that we've had is now going to office supplies. And so he presented it in such a way to where he is empowering his employees to where they feel that they take part and ownership into the company. So it's really important that we do that in our lives, not just with our coworkers, with our children. I mean, it's their home too. They need to claim ownership. It's going to be kind of hard to explain that to a one-year-old because they're not going to understand what ownership anyways because at one, everything is yours, right? It's my mommy. It's my daddy. It's my food. It's my toys. But the behavior can be learned. And so when we take that into as they're growing, you know, we start talking into age two, three, four, five, even all the way up to ten. Um, each year, they're taking a little more responsibility and a little more ownership in the family. Like, yeah, this really is my family. This really is my mom and dad. This is my house. And no, I don't like it being messy and dirty. And I don't like the idea of the electric company owning, you know, that new skateboard or that new PC game that I would like to buy. Or for girls, it's that new outfit or rock concert that you were wanting to go to. And, you know, taking ownership in that really helps to kind of divide the household responsibilities and creates a more functional adult. So when you're in your business, I want you to think about that. Your company is not really yours. It may be a piece of paper that's in your name. And you may be the CEO, you may be the founder, you, whatever your role is in your company, when you have taken on employees, they are now part of that company as well. There is a certain rhythm and a certain heartbeat that your employees bring. So I wanted to share all of that with you as far as being hurt. So remember the three things that we were talking about. The first thing is obviously to make eye contact. The second thing is to even blatantly ask, are you listening or are you available to listen? To empower the person. And the third tip is to say it in as short of a time as possible. Preferably no more than five minutes. If it takes longer than five, you need to make sure that you have a 15 minute window. It's actually been scientifically proven that after 15 minutes, the average person has a hard time focusing. And it could be argued that it could be as, as uh, shorter even toward 12 minutes. So it's critical if you're wanting to get those points across that you have to be heard in those three steps in as short of time as possible. 
Now, one other thing I wanted to leave with you before I end this podcast. Um, don't be one of those people that talks like an auctioneer, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I can't auctioneer, as you can tell. Um, don't be one of those that are going out and trying to shove everything into that five-minute window because no one's going to listen to that either. Would you listen to somebody who is doing that kind of a conversation when it comes to talking about, you know, responsibilities and filling the coffee pot every day? Probably not. You may listen if it's like a house or something that you're bidding on, like eBay, for example, or a real live auction. Then, yeah, you might be listening for those numbers to jump up. But again, you're paying attention to that item because it's something that you want. The person that is listening isn't always necessarily listening at the speed or the sound or what's going on in the situation. So, uh, take time to speak clearly and concisely. Just make sure that you are staying within that five minute window or no more than 15 minutes. So that's the end of Just That Chat. It was my pleasure to talk to you and I'm looking forward to our next chat and hopefully a cup of coffee to go with it. See y'all later.